made it so simple to have him. And you know what he did? He just said, believe me. Just believe me. That's what it's all about. The relationship you have with him. I want to share something with you, and I'm, but I'm going to go ahead and let you be seated. And I, I want you to recognize the, the presence of the Lord uh, this morning. But I also want to let you know that prophetically I'm saying to you that God is saying there is going to be some physical results of our faith and our belief today and throughout this season of breakthrough. It is happening now, it's happening in your life now. Today's a day of your salvation, not just being saved to go to heaven, but your healing, your restoration, your home, every aspect of your life. Today's the day. As you well know, uh, many of us gather together uh, in the morning with me in prayer, uh, the men at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then the whole church family at 8.30. And we pray for 10 minutes, and then I read a scripture, and I conclude in prayer. During the second uh, time that we were praying, the 8.30 time, um, I read the scripture uh, that we're reading today again, uh, speaking of grace and righteousness. And my prayer was, Father, that you would absolutely reveal to us today the truth and the power and the passion of righteousness that is ours because we believe in him. And at that moment, it was like this breath of uh, a bouquet of flowers just went up my nostrils. And I was so taken aback that usually when I say amen, I push the button on my phone and I, I cut off the, the conversation that we call in and, and the group of people call in. But I didn't do it that time and I turned because Israel, Alasio, comes early and sits in my office and we agree in prayer. And I said, did you? And then I noticed the phone was still on and I clicked. But I said, do you smell that? And he looked at me and and. And he did not. But what the Lord did was give, gave me a physical uh, joy of his presence. It's like a bouquet of flowers. It's like a bouquet of flowers that you just, they're the freshest and they've come in. And it just brings that, that emotion to you. <clears throat> I went on, we had other people in my office. I pray with a lot of different people and and many of us pray for the services. Uh, this morning, we actually prayed over some handkerchiefs to be able to send out to some people as we anointed them with oil that, uh, just like in Acts chapter 19. Um, and so there's a lot going on. And then when I walked in, I'm talking with people. We're laughing. We're, we're, we're speaking wonderful things to each other. And I came out here to worship, and worship just started, and just I felt the presence of God, just so real. And then when we began to sing about the goodness of God, there it was again, that just breath of, of the bouquet of flowers. And I just had to stop. I, I just, I, I stopped singing, and I just started humming, but I stopped singing the words because I just wanted to recognize that, and he spoke to me. And he said, that's what I'm doing with everyone. But the physical presence of, of, of me is going to represent itself in many different ways this morning with you. And so I want you to understand what I'm telling you is that God is moving in your life and he's presenting his presence because we are understanding uh, the truth of righteousness and we get that by grace, through faith, by believing. I want you to turn your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read that uh, length of 
of Scripture again as we start, but as you are turning, I want to remind you that on September 24th, on Sunday evening at 6 p.m., everyone say Sunday evening, 6 p.m., we will begin Jurassic Earth on September 24th. We're going to create a a greater and newer culture of Bible study. This will answer many of your questions of some of the questions we have on creation and the recreation of this earth. Uh, We will talk about dinosaurs. Are dinosaurs real? Yeah, they are. How old is the earth? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old, but it could be billions of years old. The earth was created perfect, and then the Bible tells us in the beginning of Genesis that it was created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the universe, and then it became chaos. What happened? Well, there's another story in the Bible where where Lucifer rebelled and was cast into the earth, and he corrupted the nations. So he corrupted the created perfect earth. But there was nations and cities here. This was before Adam. That's what Scripture tells us. Does it tell us a full story? No, but we're going to learn about that. Then we're going to learn about how the Holy Spirit brooded over the chaotic earth that had become ice, frozen, because God removed the light of the sun and the moon. Well, science proves that by talking about an ice age and then how that ice moved and recreated the earth. Scripture tells us that. But there are a lot of Christians that think the earth is only 6,000 years old. No. A lot older than that. Millions and millions and millions of years old. Does it tell us how old? No. But it tells us it is. What were these pre-Adamic people? We'll discuss that. Scripture talks about it. What about angels, fallen angels? People say fallen angels come and attack. No, they don't. They're chained up in a compartment of hell called Tartarus. Scripture tells us that. Peter and Jude. All right, so they're tied up. Then who are the demons? Scripture tells us about that. And it doesn't give you the full picture, but it gives you enough because you know what God wants us to understand? That God recreated this earth for you and me to flourish and to plant seed and to allow the kingdom of God to rule on this planet. And that's what we're doing today. So on September 24th, 6 p.m. in the evening, in that morning, we're going to still be teaching on grace because um, I got notes in my Bible and it's this thick. And there's one more message that needs to be put in because God keeps giving me more stuff. Not because there's more stuff he's doing with grace because there's more stuff I'm learning about grace and I'm still learning. So we must see God wants us so badly that he has made the condition as simple as possible that he could, that we just believe and we can walk in a grace-filled life. So let's continue this series, and one of the aspects of grace I want to talk to you about and remind you of is that grace does divinely enable us to live a new life in Christ. No matter where you've been, no matter what's gone on in your life, remember last week the, the stupid stuff we did? I mean, if I'm the only one that did stupid stuff, okay, I'll admit it, I'll confess it. But this is unmerited, this righteousness, 
is unmerited, undeserved, unearned, and, the, and it is the kindness and favor of God by grace. I wrote this down so I could uh, literally say what I believe the Holy Spirit was telling me when I was writing this message. Grace is the dimension of divine activity. It is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and human rebellion with an, watch this, an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to, be, and to bless. God's capacity to forgive and to bless is inexhaustible. But what do we do? We think we have to earn it. I want to tell you, grace is free. Your salvation is free. You just believe. Last week we found out that God's standard for heaven is perfect. You must be perfect to go to heaven. And none of us are. So by grace, through our belief in him, in what Christ did, we now live in his perfect righteousness. Being in perfect people. In Romans 4.3, let's go over this again. We'll go over the first point real quick, and then we're going to cover the other two points that I have for you. This is the blessing of righteousness, part two. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness. So in this verse, we began to explain the three questions that I'm giving you that are my points. So the first one last week was, what is righteousness? Remember that? Righteousness is right standing with God. Because you believed in him, you are in right standing with God. No matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, and again, here it is, the stupid stuff we've done. You're in right standing with God because you believed in him. The only way you are put in right standing with God is because Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his blood on that cross, and he became the Christ for us. Romans 5, 8 through 21. I ask you to turn to Romans 5. Let's begin reading this, the blessing of righteousness. But God demonstrates his love toward us, toward you, in that while you or I were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified just as we've never sinned because we believe by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, through Christ. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. We have a relationship with God. We shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We're joint heirs with Christ. We'll cover all this in the next few weeks. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, speaking of Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men now because all sinned. In other words, when you were born on this earth, you were born in sin. 
For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. In other words, rebelled or went opposite of what Adam did, we're still born in sin, who was a type of him who was to come. So now Adam was the first Adam, and Jesus now became the next Adam. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man who, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Are you seeing that? Condemnation. But the free gift, which comes from many offenses, resulted in justification. In other words, Jesus did something and took upon himself something, and he was condemned for us. We'll cover that in a little bit. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life, just as you've never sinned. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. How? Because they believed. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. In other words, the law showed us the need for Christ. Showed us we were born in sin. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give him an applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let me now give you uh, the second point. Here's the question. Did Abraham earn it? Righteousness? So if you go back to Romans chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse 2, let's begin answering this question, did Abraham earn it? For if Abraham was justified by works, we're asking the question, did Abraham earn it? He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. What in the world is that saying? Okay, I'll answer that question for you. The word accounted means to keep records of credits and debits. Okay, for some of you, it's called accounting. It's the class you did not like in college, right? It is keeping records of debits and credits. It is literally setting it out in front of you. Is there a debit or credit? Now to him who works, it is not counted as grace, but as debt. So let me tell you what that's saying. It doesn't mean that it is bad for you to work like some feel today. Do good works. Matter of fact, because we are saved to good works, Scripture tells us. We are saved, and because we are saved, then we do good works because there's been a transformation on the inside. And you do good works. 
Now, good works are not countered against us, but it's talking about God here in the scripture. So here's what it's saying there in Romans 4. If Abraham had done works for salvation, then God would have owed him something. It would have been a debt to God. Then the works would have made God do something for Abraham. God would have owed him payment for his good works. You see how the deception in life and Christianity, and a lot of times we feel like we're going we're gonna to do better and better and better the more we do, 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 and we're wearing ourselves out thinking that God's going to love us more because we do more. But we are to do good works. Okay, let's, let's go on. Let me give you an example. If you hired someone to do some housework, or you hired someone to paint your house, after they finished the job, you would owe them. You are now indebted to them because they did something. God didn't owe Abraham anything. Or with bad English, God didn't owe Abraham nothing. Right? God doesn't owe anyone. And in Christianity, a lot of times, because we don't understand grace and righteousness, we feel like, how come God's not doing something? I prayed, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. God doesn't owe us anything. And we need to move into a realm. And I want to tell you, I know I am coming against decades of people's doctrine especially online. And I'm waiting for the emails, I'm waiting for the letters, all the different things. But bottom line, we need to understand regarding Abraham, regarding you and me, in my account before Christ, before I believed in Christ, was my account was mostly sin and a few righteous deeds, good deeds. Now, probably most of you, yep, you have sin in your account, and because, you know, maybe you're better than me, you had maybe a few more righteous deeds. But in Jesus' account, let me just tell you what's in there, and I heard this from someone else, there's one big R in his account. It's called righteousness. Righteousness. But Isaiah 64, 6, regarding my good uh, things, my good deeds, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our, our righteousness, plural, are like filthy rags. In comparison to who? To one another? No. To how much? No. To God. It can say all our little acts of our righteousness is, righteousness is, plural, are as filthy rags. And so if, if I've been deceived in thinking that if I do more, that I get more, if I do more, then I, okay, we understand planting, this morning, I put in the offering box, I put in seed. I wrote my name on it, I wrote the date, I wrote the amount, and I put big letters on the envelope, seed. Because in my life, I'm planting seed because I know if I do, it will produce a harvest. Jesus talked about the woman with the mites, two mites, giving the little she gave, and it talks about how much she will receive back. See, kingdom giving is so different than what we think of earning our way to heaven, earning our way to our blessing, earning our way 
to prominence in life. I shared with the men yesterday that uh, very few people are prominent in this world, but every one of us, because God created us, are significant. There's a significance in every one of us. And we need to get to a place in a cultural, cultural society to have a kingdom culture in our church and everywhere we go, in our homes. So all my little R's could stand for rags because Jesus' R is righteousness. When God looks at my account before Christ, he sees a lot of sin and filthy rags. So the question is, so how am I going to heaven when I have sin in my account? And Abraham had sin in his account. And you have sin in your account. How, are, how am I or how are we going to go to heaven? By the way, again, Jesus has righteousness in his account. Here's what happened a little over 2,000 years ago. God took the righteousness out of his own son's account, and then God put the sins of the whole world in his son's account. When he died on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the moment that all your sin and mine was put in his account. And he had no relationship with God because he was sin. He paid the debt. That's why his son, in the scripture we read, was condemned to die. God took the one who knew no sin and made him sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, are we uh, enjoying the story of your life right now? I mean, really, are we really grabbing a hold of what this is. And how many times have you and me in our lives growing in the Lord have felt like we needed to just do something more, just to get a little bit more, just to... And God says, it's free. Believe. So when Jesus died for our sins, something happened. Jesus shed his blood and the blood of Jesus erased our sins completely, completely. The blood of Jesus erased the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for the world. I want you to understand that. All those people who are doing demonic things, Jesus died for their sins. Scripture says God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Jesus paid the debt and now by faith through grace we can receive righteousness in our account. So listen closely. The word not imputing, this is the same word for accounting says, not accounting their sins against them, meaning us. Scripture is telling you and me that now our sins, our stupid stuff, is not accounted to us. It is not in our account. Remember last week that Scripture tells us that, that from the, as far as the east is from the west, so has our sins been removed. Removed not covered over. That's a story in the Old Testament. We'll cover that in a few weeks. Removed. It is not accounted to you. Well, you know, 
God knows the way I used to be. Thank God I believe now and going to heaven. But there's no way that God will really have this breakthrough in my life. There's no way I can do that because you know the way I used to be. You are telling God, the Father, he is a liar. Because he says, your sins have been removed out of your account. Now, some of you say, I don't understand because some are not going to heaven. That's right. Many people in this world will not go to heaven. Because God gave you a will, a choice. You either reject or you believe. There's no in-between. You reject or you believe. You have to choose what you're going to receive. To receive what Jesus did for you or not. That's the choice, two choices. So now I'm going to make a shocking statement because I want to rattle everybody's doctrine in here. Don't whisper to your neighbor, pastor's preaching false doctrine, because I'm not. I'm telling you exactly the way it is, the way the Bible says, not what man says. People don't go to hell because of sins. Because Jesus already paid for the sin. They go to hell because of unbelief. So no matter how bad you are, even today, how wicked you are, you're not going to hell because of your wickedness. You're going to hell because you have unbelief in your heart towards his grace because you haven't believed in him because Jesus Christ is not your Lord. Hmm. Okay, let's get out of the shock now. Everyone come out of your stupor. So God puts all of my sin in Jesus' account and erased my account. Now my account has no sin. But there is no righteousness in me, so what do I need to do? Because Jesus already did the work. He paid the price. So what do I do? When I was 17 years old, almost 18, I believed in Jesus Christ as Lord. Then God put righteousness in my account. (laughs) Amen. Amen. When did you do that? When did you believe? Or have you believed yet? And today, you can believe. So my question to you is, Again, when did you believe? And I want you to fall in love with God's grace again and remove your love for works. Because if you fall in love with God's grace, righteousness comes in you, and because of that righteousness in you, your DNA, your culture is to do good works. It comes easy. It comes easy. And we have to get to a place in our life is because we have to get in a place in our life to understand that if we don't recognize, have revelation of this reality of righteousness and where it comes from, then in every area of our life, we're going to have difficulty because they, we will walk in condemnation when therefore there is no condemnation that love the Lord and believe in him. But a lot of us walk in condemnation and shame. The Bible says that Jesus took our shame. Why are we glorifying shame in the church today? Why are we glorifying these things when God says, I took it and by grace through faith believing it has been removed and now righteousness 
confidence, faith, healing, restoration happens in your life. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Oh, I want to tell you, that sweet smell that I got this morning of the presence of God, he is right here, and he's telling you, don't allow that condemnation anymore to rule your life, to rule your decisions, the way you treat your spouses, the way you treat your family, your coworkers. You walk in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and your actions will become good deeds because righteousness is already there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I couldn't wait. I, this morning I, I woke up at uh, around 2 o'clock. I didn't get back to sleep till 4.30, and my alarm went off at quarter after 5. Because I, I was, I, I'm, I'm laying there and trying to go to sleep, trying to be quiet, all the different things, and just like... But I am so fired up right now. I have so much energy right now. Okay? I could run through a troop and leap over a wall right now. (laughs) But I won't do that. So what James tells us about Abraham, that Abraham put works to his faith. He believed in Christ, but he put works to that faith. Remember, Scripture says uh, that faith without works is dead. Because you now understand righteousness, you now understand who you are, that your account is righteousness, and you do the good deeds. (coughs) Excuse me. I've been talking all morning. (coughs) Abraham's faith was active because faith without an activity is dead. When God said, Abraham moved, Abraham moved. The Bible says that Abraham obeyed. He moved. When we see the word obey, we get all scared because, you know, in cultural society, obedience, that's almost a cuss word today. So let me explain something. It's not enough to believe with just your mind. Well, my family goes to this church. Okay. So you walk in a building. Hello, building. What does the building give you? Well, last week it kept us from being soaked because it rained. There, There are a whole lot of people that do that. They just, I'm religious. I'm American, so I'm a religious. Religious country. I want to tell you, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But they still do what they want to do. But in their mind, then they go to church and say, God, why are you not there? Why are you not answering my prayer? Because it's just in their mind. It's not out of their heart. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Righteousness comes in you, and now you do righteous deeds. That's why you can defeat those chains that have bound you. That's why you can walk in a new life, because why? Because now your righteousness guides you, that your spirit is whole, brand new. And now you can walk in good works because of Christ, because of your salvation. See, I don't walk in good works to prove that I'm religious. Are you following me here? All right, all right. So, uh, you know, if there's anybody that needs more of God, it's me. And I pray after this message that you would think the same way, not about me, but about you. When you really believe, you start following Jesus Christ. So how did Abraham get it? How did he get to that place where now he's the superhero in the Bible? Well, here's point number three. How did Abraham get it? Another way of saying it, what did Abraham have to 
do. Here it is again. Abraham, he had to believe. What do you have to do to walk in the power and the anointing that Abraham walked in for his life and you to walk in the power and anointing for your life? Believe. Believe what God said about you. All right? John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Notice works is plural. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. He didn't say, go get a book, get on a blog. They said something good on that blog, and then start doing it. No, he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Who who did he send? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So again, the only thing you have to do is believe. It has to be in your heart, not just your head. So let me tell you uh, about the story of Abraham. Because we read the scripture about Abram, changed name Abraham. We all know what that means. But we don't get where Abraham came from or Abram came from. We think, man, Abraham's just a really good guy, and that's why God really did what he did for him and answered his prayer and got him the baby he always dreamed about and all the different things. All these real emotions that all of us feel. We read about people in the Bible and somehow, again, we make them superhuman. The very reason why your pastor sits down there and not up here on a throne is because I want you to understand, I am human just like you who was born in sin, but believed in his heart that God was raised from the dead. I spoke that out, and I'm born again. But I'm just like you. And I'm not any better than anybody else. I'm significant because I'm in obedience to what I do and I'm called to do. You are significant because you're obedient to what God's called you to do. It may not be up on a platform. It may not be standing in front of crowds. But you're significant because you have the righteousness of Christ Jesus in you. We think these people in the Bible are not like us. They don't go through what we've gone through. They were superhumans, and God chose them. We need to read our Bible a little bit closer. Again, they were regular people with sin in their account. Regarding Abraham, Genesis 12, God shows up and spoke to Abraham. Then Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, just like us. But before Genesis 12, let me just share a few things. Abraham was a heathen. He was a part of a heathen nation and worshipped heathen gods. Abram wasn't a Jew. There were no Jews at the time. 500 years later, Moses was given the law. Israel was Abraham's grandson. So we kind of blend it together There was no Israel, there was no Isaac, there was Abram, not even Abraham. He hadn't believed yet, and he hadn't walked in his life to do these great things in the kingdom of God. But after Abram believed, changed his name to Abraham, he he goes into a city, and because his wife is really pretty, he's concerned that the king was going to kill him so he could take his wife uh, as his wife. So he lies about his wife and says that she's the sister. Here's a born again, righteousness in his account guy. He says, she's my sister. 
and so that um, he would be saved and his wife could be sexually abused by a king. Put it straight. Not only did that once, but he did that twice. This superhuman guy who did great things in the kingdom of God How many of you ladies would be a little bit ticked off at your husband if he did what Abraham did? Okay, I see some evil eyes toward your husbands. He gets chewed out and he does it the second time. And he does this after he believes. Then after he believes, he sleeps with a housekeeper. He sleeps with his wife's maid. And they have a child out of wedlock after he believed. So the question, what was he like before he believed? God shows up one day. Abram has no concept of God. Had no concept. He wasn't seeking God. God came to him. And God shows up and talks with him. God says, Abraham, I did not come to judge you I didn't come to condemn you. And Abram, I didn't come to clean your clock either. Well, you know how God is. And he goes, he'll he'll go after you. You know, God, get him. That's not God. It's not the God you and I serve. He is love. So God says, I came today for one reason. And this is God's heart towards you. You are his daily delight. I came to bless you. It's found in Genesis 12. And it says that Abraham believed. One day, he's serving other gods. He's doing this. There's no concept of God. He's not seeking God. God comes to him, presents himself to him. And he says, hey, I've come here not to condemn you, but I've come here to bless you. And Abraham goes, okay, I believe What's your story? Where were you at? What concept of God did you have? And my question here today in closing is, what concept of God, even in belief, do you have of him? We're going to paint the picture in this series. So stay with me. But when Abraham believed, God took sin out of Abraham's account and put righteousness in his account. Abram couldn't do a thing to get it except believe. You can't do a thing to get it except believe. I'm going to ask all of you to stand, please. Those that are watching online, and we have many watching online, And that's growing too. And we're growing here too. You're reaching out to your neighbors and your family and your coworkers, and you're bringing them to church because you want them to understand you don't have to walk in condemnation anymore. For all, all of you that are new here and I see some new faces, we welcome you. God brought you here. I'm just a regular human just like you that had sin in my account, but I believed in the King of kings and the Lord of lords who loves me, and now he's put righteousness in my account. And in my life, because of the cultural change, the cultural shift that's happened in me spiritually, now I do good works. And I walk in the blessings of grace. I have a lifestyle of grace. I have a grace-filled life. And it's all because of the work of Jesus Christ. You are important. You're new here. You are important to God and to us. And we'd love to get to know you. Online and here today, if if you're here and you say, you know, I, I'm trying this religious thing. 
because there's a lot of hurt in my life. I want to tell you, trying doesn't get it because your works, whatever you do to make it happen, isn't good enough. And everyone laughs, but, you know, one of my famous words is, and you can't do gooder to get it either. It's by belief. And then something happens, just like Abram, there's a change in his life. But there are things in his life, fear and all kinds of stuff that's still there that needs to be eradicated out of his soul out of his mind. He has to renew his mind to the Word of God so that he doesn't give up his wife as a sister. That he stands in trust. When all Hades breaks loose in your life, you trust that God will see you through. Because he is the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. So I'm going to just take a moment because I don't want it to be my works. If you're watching online and you're here, and if you say, I want to believe in Christ, the Bible says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It doesn't say you have to shout to the world, but you confess with your mouth. You just say, Lord, come into my life. I believe in you. I'm going to pause for a few seconds and then we're going to come back. We're going to pray for everybody. Thank you, Lord, for the renewing of our lives, for a revelation that will transform every aspect of our lives today, even though we've known you, God, for decades. Or if we just have found you today. Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. Holy Spirit, guide, direct us, give us insight, give us wisdom, and continue to bring breakthrough in the revelation of grace and righteousness. And we give you praise for that. Lord, thank you for our church family, the love and the passion that we have to love one another, to encourage one another, and not to condemn, to believe in everybody here. No matter what mistakes we make, Father, you believe in us, and we do too. And we give you praise and honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a He deserves all the applause. God bless you. I love you. And enjoy your day walking in righteousness.